1: You know, I see one listener uh, write in to the network, and the message starts off, they are turning our children against us. And you just know where that sort of an email is gonna go. Well, I got thinking about that, and boy, that that, that surely is true today, isn't it now? In in so many ways, they're turning our jobs against us. Uh, They're turning, you know, our employers, our employees. They're turning our spouses against us, our kids, our grandkids. Uh, they're turning uh, our schools, our colleges, our deans our others against it, it's, it's an endless list and it does seem to be that way. And what what's happened this time is it's, it's to me, it's come right into the center of the family. I can't tell you how many communications we get in here where people just simply pour their hearts out and don't know really where to turn. And I, I, I really feel uh, for people when, when you read this sort of communication. So listen, I, I consider it a blessing to be able to be trusted and to get this sort of communications in from folks. I want you to know that out there. We, we value that uh, and we, we really appreciate that uh, you trust us uh, to be able to share such intimate details. One thing for sure is on the programs here, we never ever use a last name ever. So if we reference a message you've sent in, only a first name always, Uh, keep it simple, right? And uh, so, we are going to open this up now and talk a little bit today. This is, a, again, a COVID Q&A. This has been uh, really become the most successful forum uh, for delivering information out to our trusted listeners and readers and people all around the world uh, tune into these programs. I mean, they're, they're very well listened to and, and, and people watch for the next one. Uh, today, we have a little bit of a, a different twist of this, though. Uh, we have a, a different uh, uh, man in, the, uh, in, in the, uh, the hot seat or the driver's seat, driving the boat, I guess. I'm just a passenger here, basically, you know, and that is Dr. Henry Ely uh, joins us here on the program, and he'll be with us today. This is going to be really interesting. Uh, for those of you who know and you follow his show, Energetic Health uh, plays on Saturday and Sunday at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, just after the McCullough Report, in fact. And uh, so Dr. Henry Lee is a licensed uh, naturopathic doctor and founder of the Energetic Health Institute, author of 200 uh, published works. And uh, he's uh, you see some of these, there's always an emphasis of these peer reviewed research papers, because this is like the gold standard, especially through this whole COVID exercise, you know. And uh, so he has a series of these very successful and has really uh, dug deep into data and understanding the problems with COVID. Has a little different uh, angle on things, uh, but very, very refreshing uh, to get this perspective. And uh, welcome to uh, our first COVID Q&A there, Dr. Henry Ely.
2: Brother Malcolm, it is such an honor and a pleasure to be on with you and with your audience. And I just want to echo what you said earlier Thank you, everyone, for your stamina. Thank you for your candor. Thank you for sharing your stories. Um, we do read them; they mean a lot to me personally, and I carry your hopes and your dreams with me in all the work that I do every single day.
1: Amen. So I want to start with this first one I mentioned right there, and it really did. the The headline to this is: "They are turning our children against us," mm-hmm. and it's from um, a listener, uh, Alma. We'll call her Alma. And um, she, she starts with help. I am reaching out to you because I am desperate. I've been following your network and programs for some time now, and they are really inspiring. My husband and I live in Spain. We are Spanish and Greek. <clears throat> Our son, who won an athletic scholarship, is graduating from Berkeley this mm-hmm. December after four years of hard work. We bought the kids and we were checking accommodations for the whole family. We're going to be there with him in such an important date. Well, the USA government has just made mandatory for every visitor to be vaccinated. After many hours of reading, listening and pondering, I believe the vaccine is harmless and don't want to be forced to be vaccinated. Uh, Is there any way around it? Any exception? Whose door must I knock on? Who do I have to beg? I'm willing to take as many tests as needed to prove I am no threat to anybody. (laughs) My son is very upset and thinks we do not love him enough because he believes the vaccine is not that harmless. They are turning our children against us. I am so very sad. Can you help?
2: Well, it's a it's a heart wrenching situation, uh, Malcolm, and it's something we've heard repetitively over uh, throughout this crisis. I I think there's a couple things in terms of education that I want to share. If this was about public health and this was about freedom of choice, we would have several options for all people. Uh, The inoculation, uh, the experimental inoculation, um, a proof of a negative uh, COVID test, uh, and also a proof of establishment of uh, immunity uh, via antibodies and uh, via uh, maybe even T-cell priming. So I think there are multiple options here. And I think one of the things I do recommend to people to do to explore, especially parents in these dire situations, is to get the blood drawn with for uh, IgG antibodies. And if you can, T-cell priming. And that depends on the country in terms of what's available, of course. But in the United States, for instance, those two tests are available. And it's something that I'm taking my family next week, uh, to go and get so that we can prove that we have established immunity, uh, number one. Um, now, that may or may not work uh, because of the rules and regulations, but it's something that gives you a legal argument in your favor, in my opinion. And now I'm not an attorney, and this is not legal advice, but it's just my opinion and the direction that we've decided to take as a family. We've had very uh, hard conversations with, our, our, um, with my son, um, and he understands that there's something much larger afoot. And because there's something much larger afoot, uh, there are gonna be sacrifices and there are gonna be things that likely uh, he is not going to be able to do. And he's been willing to accept that challenge because we have sat down and treated him like uh, an adult. And I'm not saying that that anyone writing in isn't, but because we all have unique circumstances, particularly with teens and and young men and, and, and young women. But we are going to have to make certain sacrifices on on this in this battle and show them that we have a resolve and a willingness to say no, that we will not go along with this to um, because our um, I, I would say it like this. I don't negotiate with terrorists and mm. my my freedom and livelihood are not up for negotiation, period, mm-hmm. under any circumstances.
1: Yeah, so. Absolutely. We hear you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next one is from Yolanda. She says, thank you for your work with COVID vaccine injured patients. I was just watching a webinar on Mm covidcon21.com, which you and your colleagues were providing us with helpful information. You mentioned that you had been told by someone that the VAERS report on COVID vaccine deaths actually represented only 5% of the actual, Mm -hmm. well, the openvaers.com, and that's V-A-E-R-S, website actually states on their website, VAERS is the Vaccine Adverse Event event Reporting System put in place in 1990. It is a voluntary reporting system that has been estimated to account for only 1% of vaccine injuries. Wow. Well, the VAERS report as of September 17th, uh, 2021, lists Uh, 15,386 COVID vaccine reported deaths. If this number represents 1% of those reported, as their website states, the actual COVID vaccine reported deaths would actually be, uh, what, a million five plus. One doctor mentioned that not only is reporting to VAERS time-consuming, uh, not scheduled into their schedule, but the information requested, such as the vial number, is often not readily available. So the doctor has, has to start the report from the beginning after he or she gets the necessary information because they cannot save what they already have written. In other words, they're saying the site is a little bit awkward, I guess, is what they're saying here. What I have seen personally is that sometimes vaccine-injured people do not even know that they are vaccine-injured because their doctor will not acknowledge it. Thank you very much for what you're doing to help COVID patients and COVID vaccine injured patients heal. Any comments? I thought there was some interesting information in there about the 1% versus the five and VARES, which I know you've been all on top of Dr. Ely. Any thoughts to that? Uh, yeah,
2: a, a number. And, and thank you to the listener for that, for that question. We have some uh, misunderstandings in our, in our community on this, on this March to freedom that we're all on. And one of them is the Harvard pilgrim study uh, that was done um, to and found that less than 1% of all true um, injuries, um, uh, va- ad- adverse events uh, were reported to the vaccine adverse events reporting system. That is a valid study, but that study was done long before um, the COVID experimental inoculations came in. And with the COVID experimental inoculations, there is an emergency use authorization that, that requires uh, medical professionals under the law to report all. Um, vaccine adverse events, so that we can't apply that same one percent rule, Malcolm, in this situation, because there is going to be more reporting. Now, with that being said, there have been multiple avenues for underreporting to Varis, even still, and that comes by way of doctors and nurses and pharmacists not being able to identify what a vaccine injury is, uh, being unwilling to report a vaccine injury. I've talked with Dr. McCullough; he has filed some injury. Uh, reports to the vaccine adverse events reporting system and he's filled out all the paperwork and then the screen goes blank he's had to send in hard copies so he didn't even get confirmation through a report number that the it was received so there's multiple ways that underreporting is definitely happening and so I think there was a little misunderstanding at the beginning of that um, of that submission saying that uh, only five percent that's not what I said what I said was that if we base our assessment of the vaccine adverse events reporting system on um, Renz's work, his whistleblower work, what it shows is that we can take any number in the various reporting system relative to the COVID experimental inoculations and multiply it by a factor of five to get a better understanding mm-hmm. of what the actual data is. So in this case, we say that there's, thir- there's 15,000, there's now over 16,000 fatalities reported uh, Post inoculation, we would multiply that by five, and that would put us at what, 30, uh, put us at 80,000 um, uh, deaths, uh, somewhere in that range. And the CMS database uh, that Tom Renz has also published some whistleblower information on validates a statement like that. I think for your audience, what I'd like them to be aware of, and this is what I check every week mm-hmm. in, in Veris now is I go in and I wanna see how many fatalities occurred within 48 hours post-inoculation. Because within 48 hours, it's very difficult for a person to say that's not causation. And right now, there are, uh, my last check last week, there were over 5,200 fatalities within um, 48 hours, and over 9,600 fatalities reported to varus in, uh, in, within 14 days post-inoculation.
1: Wow. Okay. Uh, It's it's a good resource uh, for folks to know uh, for sure. This next one uh, is from Nicole. Uh, I recently heard Dr. Ely show. He spoke about a nurse who presented a list of 15 questions to her human resources department and was then granted religious exemption. The hospital where I work did honor a religious exemption for me. Good for one year was wondering if this questionnaire is something I should employ when my year is up, did not realize religious exemptions could only last for one year.
2: That is uh, enlightening. And we're seeing these really odd circumstances throughout the country. Malcolm, um, first and foremost, there should, there is no expiration date on it. So, This is a business attempting to have some semblance of of pseudo authority over you in violation of Title VII, uh, in our opinion, uh, of the 1964 uh, Civil Rights Act, which clearly states that there can be no discrimination based upon religious grounds. So with that in mind, uh, yes, I would use the 15 questions. It's something that if I was in an adverse circumstance, I would definitely use it before I would submit my Uh, My religious exemption for the reason of I would want the business to understand that they have to satisfy informed consent. Because when they do not satisfy informed consent, I would then, uh, and they're unable to answer those questions, I would then simply go in and say, here's my religious exemption because you were unable to satisfy informed consent. And if you do not honor this religious exemption, I will take you to court, not on uh, any other grounds than uh, discrimination and mo- no business wants to be in court on a discrimination lawsuit. I can tell you that. So mm, uh, wow. that's that's we're playing chess here, in, in my opinion. Unfortunately,
1: <laughs> it's no longer checkers, right? It is a right. game of chess, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you got they're playing chess. You better start playing yeah, chess too.
1: Yeah. I want to mention to folks as well if you go to the navigation, the menu at americaoutloud.com, friends, and you go to our team and look up Dr. Henry Ely and you come down that list of uh, posts he has there, you'll find this one right there, taking the fight to the employer or school, COVID questions and exemptions. It's a great post. You'll see all the questions there and some links for exemptions there. And it's a very valid post for folks to check out. Okay. So let's move on to uh, Estella. A question comes in. My employer is... uh, a modern vaccination is mandated vaccination by November 1st or termination November 2nd. Wow. Uh, They denied my religious exemption. Okay. I don't believe uh, Pfizer, Moderna and J&J. What happened to my right to provide for my family? I am deeply concerned about the safety and therapeutics. In Oregon, the governor has ordered therapeutics illegal. What do you say to that?
2: Several things. Uh, number one, I feel your your pain and it is, it is unconscionable, it is unethical to tell someone that they are going to lose their ability to provide for their family uh, if they do not participate in an ongoing experiment. That is completely unethical. It's a violation of our informed consent laws, uh, 45 CFR 46. It's a violation of the Nuremberg Code, upon which they are based. It's a violation of the Belmont Report, upon which they are based, uh, and that was produced following the Tuskegee experiment. It's just simply wrong. What we have seen out there, Malcolm, and we've gotten some good insight from people who are on these front lines working with people like Estelle every day, is to the advice to resubmit again and again and again and again, mm-hmm. because they we've seen situations where uh, people have been denied the first time, the second time, the third time, and then on the fourth time it gets approved. Mm. So to keep keep punching that clock, keep submitting. But mm. I would also encourage people submit from a place of strength, submit from a place where you have where you have first filed via email, so you have a timestamp. Questions questions that the business, the employer, as the arbiter of the mandate, is required to answer as uh, in order to fulfill informed consent. When they are unable to answer those questions and informed consent cannot be achieved, then file your religious exemption and let them know that you mean business. That if they do not approve it, you will file a suit for uh, based upon violation of Title VII and discriminatory practices. And we have those resources as uh, uh, Malcolm, as you alluded to, on the America Out Loud. Uh, platform. We've also Malcolm on COVIDCon 21 added a new uh, link that I'll provide for you, so you can share with everyone. We found a uh, organization, a, a nonprofit, that I think is doing the best job because what they're doing, in addition to the um, uh, the religious exemption, is their getting it notarized. They put together documents so that you Hmm. fill out your religious exemption and then get it notarized and Hmm. then submit that notarized copy Hmm. to your employer. And that lets them know you really
1: mean Hmm. business. Wow. Wow. You you might get it notarized and you might even have it blessed by the Pope, perhaps, Uh, you know, for, for sure. (laughs) Why not (laughs) throw some holy water on that. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. You know, it's the one thing I've learned from you and I I'm glad you're we're talking about this and listeners hear you because it really, and I, and you emphasize that a bit in some of your writings for sure. And then this post I just mentioned of folks, its really the determination and the the persistency of folks uh, not to give in. And and I do I have discovered that, uh, Dr. Ely, because there are a lot of people who just give in immediately be under great pressure and fear. Uh, For the ultimate, like, wow, I'm going to lose my college. I'm going to lose my career. I'm going to lose my spouse. I'm going to lose my grandkids. I'm going to lose, you know, this whole fear thing. So what you consistently are saying here is uh, push back. Do not let it stop. and And second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. I guess that old saying the the what is it the the, the greasy wheel is it the the squeaky, the squeaky
2: one Squeaky wheel the squeaky wheel gets the, yes, the, gets grease, the grease right
1: that
2: is- <laughs> Malcolm, can I can I add on on that real real briefly here um, one of the things that we're teaching on is the psychology of, of this of this mm, warfare we're in I like it uh, I, I want everybody to know there isn't a day that goes by that I don't experience uh, a fear there isn't a day that goes by that I don't experience frustration you're not alone on this It's important for us, though, in the psychology of warfare to uh, to acknowledge it immediately when we experience fear or frustration and make a different choice and that different choice that I'm encouraging people to make because you have the ability to do this is to get a little cuckoo in your head and enjoy the fight. Give yourself Mm. permission instead of being scared of the fight, frustrated Mm. that you have to fight Mm. to change the way you see this and Mm. enjoy the fight. We are going to win, but it's we are going to win because we have the right mindset in the fight.
1: Enjoy. I think you're saying fight. get a little out loud, aren't you?
2: Get a little out loud. Hey, you got
1: it, brother. Well, when you mentioned get a little cuckoo, I mean I do that every hour of the day, brother. So I <laughs> right. got that immediately what you were talking about. I mean, come on, you know. All right, um, I've got. Two very interesting, um, very short uh, um, questions, emails here that uh, are very similar. So I want to present both of them to you and have you um, give us your thoughts back, Dr. Ely. And the first one is from Michael. He says, uh, I'm a pilot with American Airlines. We're being forced to get vaccinated. If you had to choose which one would you take, so which vaccine would you take, he's asking, we have until late November to get it or get terminated. And so this first one really should touch everybody's heart because what he is saying right here is he, he's not going to have a choice again. He's being threatened and obviously doesn't want it. And But if he doesn't want to lose his career as a pilot with the airlines, uh, he's saying which... So he's now succumbing to these people who are demanding he get it. Now, the next one is from Catherine and very similar to this. My 31-year-old son... He is soon going to have to choose between his job and the vaccine he is the sole provider of his young family of six Wow he does seem it does seem like getting the vaccine is a real risk but a low risk losing his job would severely impact his whole family right now he says he would not take the vaccine any thoughts I have read terrible stories of people who have had their health ruined by the vaccine but I've also witnessed most people are fine what? would you tell your son?
2: Again, horrible circumstances that should never exist in a free country, period. So these are decisions that people have to make for themselves. And I, I will never speak on, on in an influential way on what someone should do for with, them, with their lives, with their bodies. That, that is to me, uh, an overreach would be an overreach and unethical on my part. What I can share though, Malcolm, is what I would do. The first thing that I would do if my employer came to me with that is follow the mandate uh, process that we've discussed previously. I would submit questions, demand that they satisfy informed consent when they are unable to do so. I would submit my uh, religious exemption and let them know that I mean business, that I will take them to court if they try to discriminate against me, number one. So I I I would work with my employer from a position of strength right off the bat. Number two... Um, if they did not honor the exemptions, uh, the religious exemption, uh, which is, that doesn't mean that you have a certain faith that is, uh, has announced that they don't believe in religions, a personal, a, 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 medical, excuse me, a religious exemption is simply stated as a deep held, deeply held personal belief against something. And so that, that constitutes a religious exemption. So you can look at a religious exemption as a personal belief exemption, you are entitled to have that and not be discriminated against. If I was then um, still, if that was still denied, I uh, would choose none of the above in terms of the uh, inoculation. And I mean that. Uh, I know based upon my research and what the information that comes in from the vaccine adverse events reporting system. And I, and I, definitively disagree with this continued thought in our country to choose the lesser of two evils. I choose no evil, Mm. period. Mm -hmm. So I will not work for any employer that looks at me as if I'm a slave. I will not work for any employer that thinks that they have the right to tell me what to do. And if that means that I have to um, start looking for other work and that my family has to make do so that I can make sure that my family has uh, someone to provide for because there's no guarantee when a person gets the experimental inoculation that it won't wipe them out completely and their family will be left destitute anyway. You cannot barter your. You should, let me say this. I would not barter my health, my future, uh, my uh, my freedom, for any paycheck. Period. And if and but I but that's me. And I can't make that decision for anyone else. So mm. I would su- I support any decision people make because it's an expression of freedom, but never go into any circumstance with the misguided notion that you don't have a choice. You always have a choice. It might be unpleasant, but you always have a choice. Mm.
1: Yeah, that is a great reminder, really, truly. This next one is from Elaine. She says, I believe I have COVID, chest, cough, sinus, sneeze, and headaches. Test results are still out. I've lost my taste and smell. My doctor refuses to give me any treatments. I'm 53. My husband's 54. He's a diabetic and is having a terrible stomach flu symptoms, throwing up and diarrhea. So I am venturing he may have it as well. We want early treatment. Can you please help me? We were exposed to someone who had a lingering COVID cough and suspect that may be where we got it. I was hoping for a treatment plan and all I got was rejection and a slight lecture about not being vaccinated from the doctors, she's speaking. Um, And I chose not to, she said, get vaccinated. That basically what you were just talking about, Dr. Ely. Uh, She then wraps it up here. My pharmacist also told me he will not fill HCQ or Ivermectin. I've heard a lot of stories about that, actually. We get a lot of comments and Mm -hmm. people can't get them filled at pharmacies. How do I get my insurance? How do I get you all my insurance information and have you help me get early treatment? Wow. So she says, this is urgent. She said, please help. There you go.
2: Yeah. Uh, Right off the bat, uh, we we do know that the American Frontline Doctors and the um, Pierre Corey's uh, FLCCC, Frontline uh, uh, Critical Care uh, Group, is uh, is publishing a um, list of doctors who are um, seeing uh, patients uh, via in-person and telemedicine to uh, be able to issue prescriptions for that. And my suspicion would be that those uh, brave doctors, uh, it's crazy that it's, it's brave to to, do your, to honor your oath and, and do what you're supposed to do, right? Helping people. It's crazy that we'd call that brave. But um, in this day and age, it's brave. And you know, uh, they would have the best ideas on how to get it filled. We have seen uh, the pharmaceutical uh, industry have influence over the pharmacist boards and that the boards have some misguided notion that even though they were not in the room with the doctor and the patient, even though they have no knowledge of the medical history or the necessity uh, for the um, prescription, that they seem to believe they have the right to refuse to fill any prescription. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's not based on anything than hubris and um, unethical practices of medicine, truly unethical practices of medicine. Um, I would say that, uh, I would discuss with my doctor, the information we've presented, uh, both on the America out loud platform and on covidcon 21.com where we have free resources on immune priming, uh, that are all empirical, uh, evidence-based all cited and on, uh, early treatment again, that are all cited. I would encourage every person to educate your practitioners, educate the people that, um, that you are looking to, uh, write a prescription for you, for example, so that they can feel very confident that their prescription is based upon sound empirical evidence, sound peer-reviewed, randomized clinical trials, uh, that like, you can go to c19early.com. That's a great website, c19early.com and find all of the studies on every, uh, all the efficacy that you need to establish um, safety and efficacy for with your with your doctor, but to discuss it with your doctor, make the decisions that are best for you. And we are in unprecedented times. <clears throat> I, Malcolm, I just can't believe how often and how every day yeah. we hear stories of people who are being refused treatment. That people, that is, folks. I, n- I want you to know that is definitively uh, a act of willful misconduct to refuse evidence based treatment from people in need. And that's unfortunately what's happening to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans throughout our country. It's something we have to stand up and say no to and do something about.
1: We've never seen anything like this in our lives. I mean, that's why we're all stunned. I mean, we just haven't seen anything like this. This is a whole new day. And every day forward seems to be another episode of this craziness we're in. Um, This next one is from Jared. He says, I'm looking for anyone that can help us please. Uh, and guide us with what we can do, if anything, about Maine, uh, their new vaccination law ID 798. We are trying to prepare for the, uh, you know, the, the 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 school year and all of this, and do not want to give in and move away from our homes so our kids can be enrolled. So these people are looking to possibly, move, they they feel like they need to move out of Maine because they're being pushed with this new vaccination law ID 798. Now, some states are doing that, I guess, and pushing. Uh, and I didn't know that about Maine. I don't know if you knew about that, Dr. Ely, but um, really, they're kind of falling to the same thing of what you said earlier. I mean, it's a choice, a difficult choice they're going to have to make, isn't it? It,
2: it really is. It's an unconscionable choice that we've gone from two weeks to flatten the curve to <laughs> these mandates, you know, for something, for an infection that the CDC confirms has a 99 99- 0.6% recovery rate in all Americans under 65 years of age, regardless of pre-existing health status. This is based upon those t- statistics, does not suggest that this is an emergency, and certainly an emergency that requires um, a, a single solution. You know, when we're talking about mandates, mandates have to for a experimental inoculation can only, well, you can't mandate anything that's still in an experimental phase under. 21 USC 360 BBB, number one, you can't do it. So the mandates are illegal right off the bat, but a mandate is only supposed to be um, used when there are no other viable options and and all state health departments and the federal government has admitted there are other viable options, even though they're suppressing uh, information and availability of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Uh, when you look at that as a parent, I think it's very important to understand the landscape and we've had to make some hard decisions. In my family, we decided to pull our uh, son out of, uh, out of high school and with, and with his decision as well. You know, we, we included him in the decision, but we instead enrolled him in college. He's now in college because most states you can enroll your child if they're over 15 years of age in a community college. So he's now getting dual credit And he's actually a college student taking college classes, and he's a lot happier doing it. He's learning what he wants to learn. Uh, This is something that I think Pam Popper's group, uh, MakeAmericansFreeAgain.org, is doing a fantastic job Uh, every Thursday night. I know she hosts calls to help parents understand and navigate homeschooling, because if the system is acting tyrannical and uh, towards your child, why would you continue to send your child to that system? You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. And I said, you know, we're going to sit this one out and we're going to get you an education that you deserve. And then we'll see if they if they come back to their senses in the next school year.
1: Yeah, if they come back to their senses, that is the key uh, point or phrase there. You know, with what Dr. Ely says, they're so important. So he, t- what he spoke about even earlier, too, as well, he took matters into his own hands, basically, and found another alternative. That's really what we're talking about here. You know, I, I have the same thing myself, my friends, with my own son. I mean, if, if they, uh, who's high schooled again, same thing as Dr. Ely. And, uh, but, you know, if they demanded that he was, Um, to be vaccinated or something. It's just, it's not going to happen. So we would find another alternative uh, that hasn't happened yet at Fesco. Now he's a senior, so he's uh, in the final uh, hurrah here uh, before he uh, graduates. Uh, Interesting. But I like what Dr. Evie did there with his son and the college, the community college. Very, very uh, interesting option for folks to look at, actually. Um, You know, the old saying that we all grew up with, where there's a will, there's a way, right? Where there's a will, there's a way. And we got to find a way forward whatever that is, you know, and as he also mentioned, well, it's unconstitutional. Well, we all know that, but yet they do it. And then you wonder, well, how do they get away with it? Well, nobody holds them to the fire. And so they get away with it. And that's the part of the problem we're dealing with here. You know, what we'll do here. When we pause in just a moment here, I got a treat I'm going to tell you that I'm going to ask Dr. Ely to do for us when we get back in a moment here. And I have a whole lot more questions, your questions out there to answer for Dr. Ely, But I'm going to ask him, because he's such a a brilliant mind as a naturopathic doctor and understands that preventive uh, medicine is key, preventive lifestyle is key, our immune system is key, uh, healthy lifestyle, it's all key. It's key to be in the right place at the right time and to be able to fight any virus, cold, flu, COVID, this, that, the other, whatever's coming down the pike. That's just a fact. I knew that well before COVID. I've always felt that being a lifestyle kind of guy, you know, I like to walk every day, I like to take the, the proper things. And so, you know, what I'm going to ask him to do is lay out uh, some of the uh, just just to take a minute or two and we'll have him lay out some of the must things you should be taking every day. Okay, all right. I mean, this would be really handy for everybody. Like Like if there's like five or six things you must take every day, what are they exactly? One, two, three, four, five, six. And I know I have some questions coming up in that regard as well, that'll play to that. So that'll be really, really interesting. In the meantime, let me mention to you all as well that on the show here and on the platform and network, uh, one of the products I have uh, been taking now for well over three and a half years is Healthy Cell. Uh, you hear me talking about it. And, and mostly because the product it's well, first of all, it's a gel form now. And one of the things I learned years ago is that a gel, a gel form gets into your cells a little bit quicker, faster uh, than a pill form. That, you, that the absorbent absorbent rate isn't there as much with a pill as it would be a gel, is what I understand. I'm not an expert. Dr. Ely probably could speak far more about that than I. Um, but they, anyways, their products are gel form, and they have a daily regimen. They have a immune super boost, a REM sleep focus, a whole host of products that are just substantial. Uh, I, I take a lot of things. I take the Healthy Cell, and I take. Extra I take a few things that Dr. Ely sent me and some other stuff. So, I'm sort of a, what do they call that? A guinea pig, I guess. No, 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 not really. But I, I take several things uh, to stay uh, alert, healthy, and ready to fight what's going to happen. As you know, I or you may not know, I had COVID. My wife did as well, and uh, we, we fought through it. Uh, but uh, you know, early treatment is a factor, and your immune system is really, really key to this thing. So I, I can't stress that enough. As a layman, now this is the best advice I can give you, basically. So, all right. Well, listen, uh, you're listening to the voice of. An- Nation. Uh, we're going to continue on with Dr. Henry Ely. Excited to have him on with us here on this COVID Q&A. Uh, we'll return in just a moment, friends, just after the boards.
0: Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. You know, Healthy Cell is a terrific lineup of products. They have products that are pill-free, gel pack vitamins, uh, looking for better sleep, focus, and energy.
2: Check out Healthy Cell, the leading innovator in nutritional supplements for cell health.
0: Healthy Cell has a product that helps REM sleep, helps you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep supplement the only sleep supplement that's designed to support all stages of sleep. And boy, is it needed now during all the stress of the COVID-19 pandemic. So go to HealthyCell.com and use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD, for a 20% off your first order of any product from Healthy Cell. I use them every day. I believe in them, and you should too. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android or Alexa.
1: Welcome back to The Voice of a Nation. It is yours truly here, Malcolm. Out loud, it's a pleasure to be with you, friends. Thank you for being with us on the mission. We're excited and happy to be um, of service and help you with these Q&As and, and bring as much of uh, uh, real-world data uh, information to help you make the best decision. Now, one thing to mention, all of this is is helpful, but it really is your decision. This is really for educational purposes. But remember, on our entire platform, uh, you know, we don't give really medical advice, legal advice, or any kind of specific advice. Really, that is up to you and your personal surroundings and situation uh, with your own physician, your own, you know, people in your circle, uh, experts that you trust. Uh, so we, we help guide you with information. But again, it's educational purposes. Uh, please do your diligence and apply that to your own life. Uh, it's important that you, you understand that. And it's very hard to take these questions and understand that all the factors in one's life, we couldn't possibly do that. So really, really important there. All right, these um, Q&As are uh, uh, really important. We we get more responses from this than anything um, that we've ever seen on the platform here. Uh, excited here today to have Dr. Henry Ely with us. He's a licensed a naturopathic doctor, founder of the Energetic Health Institute, uh he's a great voice a great mind uh one of the things I like about Dr. Ely that I think you'll appreciate if you're just discovering him for the first time or whether you know him and many of you that have written and absolutely know him but other listeners may be hearing him uh is you know when you and it's like is the same thing when you find a doctor in my opinion who can apply their heart uh along with their expertise you know heart medicine people that have heart and feeling and passion that that counts for a lot that's kind of a new breed we're starting to see what doctors like Dr. Henry Ely, Dr. Peter McCullough, and others that just, and, and whatever their specialty is, I mean, whatever their expertise is, everybody is different, clearly, but that's important to say, and you're hearing that today with Dr. Ely, the expertise, but also heartfelt, heartfelt is the word I would use. Uh, it means something, and I'm sure you pick up on that as well there. Uh, I want to give, you, before I get, and I've got a lot of questions, so I don't want to take too much on this, Dr. Ely. but I'm going to ask you it so takes just a couple of moments. And, and if I just met you on the streets and went say, talk to you, what are the you know, five or six things I need to be taking today? What would you say to me, please?
2: Well, Malcolm, thank you so much for that disclaimer you had earlier. I think it's important that we have that, especially in this hostile day and time. So I'm gonna share what I take uh, with the audience and what's uh, what's what we have the empirical evidence to substantiate. Uh, we know from the CDC that uh, we know from their studies on nutritional analysis, serologic nutritional analysis, that 65 to 95% of Americans are deficient in vitamin D, 60 to 84% of Americans are deficient in vitamin E, 37 to 46% of Americans are deficient in vitamin C, 45 to, excuse me, 35 to 45% of Americans are deficient in vitamin A, and 11 to 15% of Americans are deficient in zinc. With that in mind, that tells us and that gives us a great insight into what we need to take because each of those nutrients, vitamin D, E, C, A, and zinc are immunologically important. They are essential for a healthy immunological uh, performance function response to any infection. So we have um, some information on on why because I do like to teach mechanism of action. I won't get deeply into that, but I will tell everyone that I am taking uh, vitamin D3, uh, I take about five to 10,000 IUs of it every day. Uh, I do take about 600 IUs of vitamin E. I take roughly 3,000 to 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C, and I take about 5,000 uh, milligrams of vitamin a-, a every day. In addition to drinking things like carrot juice with, you know, beets and celery, and all organic, of course, uh, which gives me a really healthy amount. You can get over 100,000 IU's of uh, of beta carotene, the precursor mm-hmm. the, to vitamin A, in just one glass of of carrot juice. Um, I will also take about 30 to 40 milligrams of zinc in the picolinate form. And because zinc is very hard to get into the cells, this is something uh, Dr. Zelenko uh, has been really done an excellent job on educating America on, Uh, we need a zinc ionophore. And so uh, quercetin forms a zinc ionophore. So it's good to get about 5,000, excuse me, about 500 milligrams or so in, and you can get that through blueberries, organic blueberries, organic onions, things like that, have a high content of quercetin to help get that zinc into your cells. Uh, working with, uh, and uh, we did an interview with Dr. Sabine Hazen on the America Out Loud platform, I believe it was last week. Uh, and she did has done wonderful research into the microbiome and the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So one of the recommendations that uh, I, I uh, got from her that I Uh, take and is a uh, probiotic with bifidobacterium, specifically with Mm -hmm. bifidobacterium. And then always I put all this stuff together with a good solid multivitamin to drive energy production. So it's this um, series of nutrients. And I know it sounds like a lot, but I'm worth it. That's the way I look at it. My Mm -hmm. family is worth it is the way I look at it is that when we put all of this together, it creates a wonderful synergy at the cellular level. And in creating that synergy, it does something that we are terming immune priming. Mm. It primes your immune system to be ready to not only identify, but very quickly respond to and eradicate any infection Mm. uh, that the body comes in contact with. One of the things that conceptually I think is uh, miseducated, that the American people are miseducated on is they are told that the inoculation confers immunity that is not true that is not biologically true what the uh, inoculation the experimental inoculations do is they confer an artificial infection into the body and that artificial infection is now the challenge to the immune system it is still your body that develops immunity immunity comes from within not from a pill not from a injection Okay.
1: All right. Let me uh, jump into this now uh, with Kerry um, uh, writes, Dear Malcolm, I'd be very grateful if you would give your opinion on the following question. Haven't seen it answered uh, elsewhere. I'm emailing about my mother who is in her early 80s with COPD, well managed without oxygen and very well managed epilepsy characterized with absence seizures. In the UK, she had a Pfizer jab in December 2020 and then the second in March, she has now been called for a booster. I don't know which way to jump on this. Which option carries the lesser risk? To stop at two jabs, fearing her general immune system may be badly affected, and now even COVID-specific antibodies may be too low, or go for jab three, with the unknown side effects and vaccine damage risk, I should say that my mom had a bad cold in July at the same time as a vaccinated family member was tested positive for COVID. She wasn't able to access a COVID test at that point. However, she was left with circulation problems since with discolored and swollen feet in the evenings, managed by with water tablets. Uh, So I've sent her elderberry, basic zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, and quercetin, uh, but there are a lot of recommended supplements you just can't get in the UK. So what do you think about, there's another, before I put this other question on there, Dr. uh, Ely, the first part of this with the antibodies and the two jabs versus the third And it's funny, I I get always a chuckle when people refer to it as the jab rather than vaccine. You know, there's people that anti this program when they're saying I want a jab. Uh, But that's that's the lingo out there right now. So what do you what do you how do you answer the first part of that? Any thoughts? Uh,
2: Let's answer it with data, because, again, I don't want to tell anyone what to do. So um, uh, attorney uh, Tom Renz put out a second whistleblower. a bit of a presentation uh, from the Department of Defense and Project Salus. Um, He put that out uh, um, uh, two weeks ago. And it had some very interesting information. It was an analysis of 5.6 million Medicare beneficiaries age 65 uh, and older who had received, excuse me, had received the inoculation, the experimental inoculations and were deemed uh, fully uh, vaccinated um, by the study. Uh, what it found was that the um, st- the uh, boosters the previous the approved versions the efficacy the uh, relative risk reduction that was that we were sold at ninety five percent for example for the Pfizer inoculation was uh, has reduced to now un- a forty nine percent excuse me forty one percent and dropping in terms of effectiveness meaning that it's not preventing the um, the Uh, person who's been inoculated from being able to deal with the Delta variant and new variants. And that's because the Pfizer, the Moderna um, uh, inoculations were based upon the previous uh, variants, the alpha variant predominantly. So the effectiveness has now waned because the virus has mutated. And this is something that Geert van den Bosch has termed uh, vaccine pressure that you should never vaccinate mass populations during an, an outbreak. Because when you do that, you create a lot of opportunities, uh, challenges to the virus. So the virus will rapidly mutate and create new forms of itself that in an attempt to evade the um, the immunity that has been established post-inoculation. So what what's very interesting in this, uh, and I just wanna give a couple of quick stats, is that there, uh, out of the 5.6 million, um, People in this study, there were 161,000 breakthrough cases, 33,000 breakthrough hospitalizations, and uh, that when uh, when they did an analysis on this, and I thought this was, I thought you'd get a chuckle out of this, uh, Malcolm, is that the um, the risk of this is their conclusion: the risk of breakthrough hospitalization increases with time elapsed since mRNA vaccination, with odds ratios increasing to 2.5 at six months post vaccination. So what this is saying is by the time you've gotten six months post vaccination, you your immune system is basically just as vulnerable. It's actually you're 2.5 times more likely to be hospitalized um, after the inoculation than if you had just recovered from uh, an infection. Um, what they went on to say, and this is, this really had me going was prior COVID infection has a major protective effect against Uh, breakthrough hospitalizations. So what they're saying here is that natural immunity established from an infection is what confers a greater, more more robust, longer immunity. And we have well over now 22 studies that are, um, that confirm that uh, you are going to have a much better immunological response to future exposures if you have recovered, as opposed to if you are inoculated, if that is the source of your, um, of your immune development. So what this says and what they're attempting to do here is, is state that the people who have uh, recovered and been inoculated are the best when it's in fact, it's just the people who have recovered have the strongest immunity based upon this data.
1: Okay. And she follows up with one last uh, question. A quick one here says uh, also, what are your thoughts on the following uh, NAC versus quercetin, which is better?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, this is where we have to get into mechanism of action. And and it's a great question. Okay. It's a fantastic question. Um, Quercetin, its mechanism of action is to help get zinc into the cells Zinc is then used by enzymes within the cell to act as a antiviral, meaning it prevents viral replication should the virus infect the cell. Does that make sense so far, Malcolm? Am I explaining yeah. that well? Okay. Yeah. Now, NAC in in terms of biochemistry is actually uh, N-acetylcysteine, which is a precursor to the body's natural development of a very potent antioxidant glutathione. We have ample studies that have shown us that um, – People who are deficient in glutathione pose a much greater risk of severe, um, uh, severe uh, symptomatology due to a SARS-CoV-2 infection. We have that in the in the literature, in the empirical evidence. We've actually referenced it on the COVIDCon21.com site. So what we have is an opportunity to even take another step up in my opinion. And this is something I do. I I spoke earlier of what are the key immunological nutrients for immune priming? Well, there's also a second level um, that a person can, can do to enhance. And that would be, uh, that would include N-acetylcysteine or liposomal glutathione. So for me, the way I look at it is liposomal glutathione or N-acetylcysteine are uh, that second level of of immune priming, of taking your immune system up even another
1: notch. Okay. All right. In the um, minutes we have left, let me see if we can't get to a couple here. This one is from ban. Uh, I'm seeking to reach uh, Dr. Henry Ely ASAP to discuss his new protocol for treating the jab injury. Uh, And this person would like to consult you regarding the jab mandate for her husband. Also, uh, uh, because of the, I guess his job or what have you. But th- I guess, so this question here about the um, treating the jab injury, they've been hearing you, I guess on broadcast, talk about that, uh, your thoughts.
2: Well, we, we I can't tell anyone to do, what to do, obviously, um, but I can share what we've done clinically. We've had several cases that have come in, uh, post-inoculation injury, adverse events. Uh, some of them have been very severe. And what we've done in those cases is we've primed their immune system with nutrients, but we've also clinically fasted those uh, patients based upon um, protocols that were used for other reasons um, by Dr. Victor Longo out of the university of Southern California. He's developed a really strong uh, 72 hour water fasting regimen that he's used successfully in the treatment of cancer. Which, uh, which we found to be exceptional. And he's, his work is peer-reviewed. It's, it's just phenomenal, groundbreaking work mm-hmm. on the, the power of fasting and what happens at the cellular level. At the cellular level, when a person is fasting, their, their cells go into a state called autophagy. Autophagy is uh, termed self-eating, but what it's really doing, it can be better looked at as self-healing. And so what's happening when you are fasting when your body is in a fasting state and you know your body's in a fasting state with one simple sensation, hunger. When you're hungry, your cells go into a autophagic state. And what they do is they start cleaning up everything that's damaged and that shouldn't be in the cell. So theoretically, when we apply this to post-inoculation, what happens is maybe there's an mRNA sequence that's still Um, being produced. Maybe there's uh, something going on. Um, I don't know if it would be graphene oxide or some kind of hydrogel or something within the cell, but it gives the cell an opportunity to encapsulate what shouldn't be there and eradicate what shouldn't be there. Mm. And we've seen this in theory work in a very, and I want to be very clear with this, in a very small sample size of, of patients that I've worked with. It's very small, but we have seen it
1: work. Uh, Ann says, do you offer medical exemption forms? Uh, if not, do you know where I can uh, w- how to obtain them? Uh, Katie says, what is the website to legal team and forms to get religious exemptions for COVID vaccine? I would think both of those we could refer to that post under your name at America Out Loud. I would think taking the fight to the employer or school COVID questions and exemptions is that correct, Doctor Ely?
2: That would be correct, and I can also, Malcolm, for your audience, supply uh, some new stuff that's come up come out since then for you, so you can update. The Please, on it.
1: yeah, do that. We'll update it, and we'll put them in the post as well. and And this final question is from Rachel. Uh, 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 Malcolm, do any of your doctors write medical exemption letters for those who have had COVID-19? My husband is an Oregon state trooper who is supposed to be vaxxed uh, by mid-October or face termination. He tested positive with an at-home rapid test for COVID-19 a few days ago and is now on the mend. He has had a reaction to a flu shot in the past and already has essential tremors that he takes meds for. Do you know of any docs in the Oregon area that would help us?
2: It's a good question. We get this one a lot as well, Malcolm. We don't know of any doctors who are doing that. The environment is incredibly hostile to anyone filling it out. We have, though... Uh, I believe it's Todd Zawicki, and I may be mispronouncing his last name, but the professor at George Mason University is the first case in our country who has successfully argued uh, for a medical exemption from his employer. He argued based upon the ability to prove that he had already established immunity through antibody and T-cell priming tests that confirmed he was immune. So therefore there was no medical necessity for him to engage in an experimental product. That is an argument that I think is incredibly sound and one that it could be employed as well. I would still though, uh, if it was me, I would still go the religious exemption route and make it a non-issue.
1: There you go, there you go. And again, like we talked about earlier, friends, your uh, determination, persistency, um, you know, back to that, uh, we talked about the squeaky wheel, right? You apply the grease to the squeaky wheel, I think. I had it the other way around at first. I think I had the greasy wheel. Uh, but <laughs> in any event, that's what you do there. Now, uh, a couple of thoughts here uh, COVIDcon21.com. COVIDcon21.com. That's the summits that Dr. Ely is putting out In fact, Dr. McCullough will be on an upcoming summit here in the days ahead. I want you to check it out. Just go to covidcon21.com. You'll see the conference. There are links and banner ads at America Out Loud as well. Take a look at all of that. And there's a lot of resources there. Um, I mean, these folks, Dr. Ely, Dr. McCullough, they've they've, they've dedicated uh, many hours time resources to all of this. So uh, check that out there. Uh, If you go to AmericaOutLoud.com again, under our team and look up Dr. Henry Ely, you will find there all of his various, uh, surely, articles, um, his podcast. Uh, once they played on Talk Radio, they all go to podcast. And the exemption one I was just telling you about, there's a lot of information there. So check that out uh, as well. And you'll find out more uh, about this, uh, this fight ahead on COVID. that uh, we're, It's ongoing. It's, it's been an ongoing uh, experience. Uh, My friends, that's all the time we've got here. A lot more questions, but uh, not enough minutes left here. We'll see you again uh, on the flip side with more of this and and continue to try to bring these answers to you. Uh, Remember to just, you know, make the decisions that are right for you in your life. Uh, And, uh, and, and, you know, let's keep a positive uh, mindset. you know, in, in this world, I always believe what goes around comes around, friends. And if we stay positive and energetic uh, on the other side of this thing, um, we, we will persist and, and not only, uh, you know, survive, but we'll thrive in, in this new order, whatever it's going to be here. Thank you, as always, mostly to you out there for being with me here on the mission, here on The Voice of a Nation. Uh, again, it's time to get involved and get loud.